Hey guys, welcome to Miller Christian Church Online Messages. If you'd like to be able to view these messages online, you could head over to YouTube and search Miller Christian Church. There you should be able to find them. If not, we got our webpage at millerchristianchurch.org. Thanks for stopping by, guys, and we hope you enjoy. I agree with that, whatever translation that is. From time to time, we will be looking this summer. There are seven beautiful titles that God used to describe the Lord in just the New Testament. The first one is the God of hope, and we'll be looking at, for that in uh, just a, a few minutes. But if you think you've let it get by without a quiz today, you're mistaken. So... Who was it got it last week? Somebody got it. Was it Tiffany again? Was it? Uh, all right. So the question is, what do you have that's easiest to part with? A comb. Yeah. Somebody said it over here, too, didn't you? <laughs> Just... <laughs> okay. You guys are... You get, give you a few extra minutes and you got it. So that's good. Turn to Romans chapter 15 today. Romans 15. You know, when uh, we're going to be looking at the God of hope today, the God of peace, the God of love. The God, there's, there's seven of them. You can look at them at some time. But today we're going to look at the God of hope I've always appreciated this text down in uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people in this world that just don't have hope. You can see it in their faces. And we have that hope. And the hope, by the way, the definition of hope in the, in the Bible is... Uh, the New Testament definition of it is the expectation of good, something you know that of good. God is going to be the expectation. You know, our hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope of eternal life isn't something you wish will happen. It's an expectation that it will happen through faith in Christ. Amen. See, my ears do work once in a while. Uh, so anyway, um, in Romans fifteen thirteen gives the little challenge here at the beginning. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now that's the, that's the issue. Are we willing to believe what the scripture says and willing to believe in our hearts is a joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is quite a verse. You unpack that and you can you can go on quite a ways. But we're going to go uh, maybe something a little different. 
so what we're going to do, if you have your outlines, everybody get an outline? We got here a little late. We found out that with the with the uh, plastic over the back, if you want to know what, what cars look like in Callaway after church, go out and look at uh, at ours. Anyway, when we got up to uh, 45, 50 miles an hour, we didn't know if that plastic was going to hold or not. So we cranked her down, and some of you are probably thinking, well, where is he this morning? Uh, but anyhow, uh, if you didn't get an outline, there's more back there on the table. And our man Harvey will get it for you right like that. Won't you, Harvey? All you got to do is raise your hand. Woke him right up. He thought he'd sleep through the introduction. Anyhow, no, not really. So what a beautiful title for our Lord. If you're taking notes, in a world full of trouble, I call this the four T's, terror, trials, and tears. The God of hope fortifies and transforms one who chooses to believe. Now, that is an important paragraph. I'll read it again. Uh, in a world full of trouble, terror, trials, and tears, the God of hope fortifies and transforms one who chooses to believe. Uh, I'm a World War II buff, and uh, my dad was in Patton's Army, and he was... Before he was placed in Patton's army, he was in the 4th uh, Cavalry Division that changed into Mechanized before World War II. But he was there, and and uh, he was one of the first four that landed on Normandy and uh, marking the beaches and received the Silver Star. I just uh, became a World War II uh, buff, in the, and uh, what, a, what years that was. Millions, millions of people killed for eight years. Eight years. Russia lost 20 million. 20 million. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's country after country after country. Must have been awful. I was born in 1950, so I wasn't around when it happened. Uh, but... Uh, so, how old is Emma? Was she around? Oh, yeah. Don't tell her I asked that in church. <laughs> she surprises me, that lady, when we went over there and she's telling me about how she's going to go to the wedding. When we left the house there, I told Carol, after we got outside, I said, I don't think she's going to. She looked really uncomfortable. I said, I don't think she's going to make it to the wedding, but uh, that shows you how much we know. Huh? Anyway, uh, people who lived through that remember. remember. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, a few years back, do you remember that mine accident uh, in South America? There were, I think, 32 miners down there for weeks, and their loved ones thought they were going to perish. Do you remember that? How much hope do you think they had? They were eventually rescued, so that was the good news. But day after day went by, and hmm. do you think their loved ones believed in hope? So there's times 
that in this old world where we, and there's evil, there's evil again this week and last week, it's there. And, and I think we're living in the last days. There's no question about that in my mind anyway. But uh, for hope for the believer is basically anticipation to look forward and to believe God's promises. So that's what this is about. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to look at what Peter said, what Paul said, what Abraham said, what David said, what John said. And then whoever wrote Hebrews, which we don't know, we're going to see what he said about hope for the believer, the God of hope, the God of hope. So what does the Scripture say? Now, if you're still in Romans 15, why are we going to look in the Scripture? Why am I a Bible preacher? Why do we have the Word of God? So many liberal churches that believe in nothing anymore have all the flowery things and the, and the fluff. But the, the, when it gets down to the real strength and power of God's Holy Word, where is it? So, here's the reason why. If you're still in Romans 15, go back to verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have what? Hope. So it's the Bible that gives us hope. And the Holy Spirit uses this. And when a believer just doesn't get into the Word and he succumbs to what's going on around him, uh, it's, it's a tough deal. Uh, hope seems to be set on the shelf. So let's look at this here for just a little bit. What did Paul say in Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8, and we're not going to look at all these verses, just one on each one, but Romans 8, verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, For we are saved we were saved in this hope but hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with perseverance and that to the promises of god I liked what Jonathan said today in communion about these short years here and uh, what our hope and anticipation is uh, in not too distant future. What a joy that will be. What a day that will be. The Bible says here we are saved by hope. I'm going I'm to read Colossians 1. 5. I said I was only going to read one verse, but... From each, but in verse 5 of Colossians 1, it says, Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So we are saved by hope. There's other verses there. You can look at it at your leisure. Number two, from Peter. What did Peter say about hope? Peter's an interesting guy. You know, we all have in our minds what maybe these disciples look like. I picture Peter as having biceps like this, you know, like that. And uh, sideburns, maybe a beard that looks as charming as mine. 
Yeah, thank you for all the amens that just roared out. Uh, but I, I picture him. He was a guy that would open his mouth and think and insert foot. But he became a real. You read First, Second Peter. He became a real leader, and matured and and grew in the in grace. But what did he say about hope in First Peter, chapter one, verse three? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. The begotten us again, that's the term that describes when you were born again. If you're here today and you accepted Christ into your heart and life and you became born again or regenerated and He has begotten us again to a living hope through faith, uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Do you embrace it? Well, it's a living hope if you're filling out your notes. It's the opposite of Ephesians 2 that tells us when we were without Christ, we had no hope, no hope, none. So that's what Peter said about it. Living hope, the fountainhead of hope, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember what Colossians says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not long ago, only I think about 40 years, we were sitting in our living room. No, we were in bed. And a knock came on the door. We were already sleeping. We lived next to a, ma a major highway, pastoring a, a church there. This is my first church. Back in, <laughs> I don't know when that year might have been, 75, I think, anyhow. Somebody knocked on the door. Of course, we got stumbled out of bed and got up, and here was a woman. And uh, never seen her before. Obviously distraught. Uh, invited her in, Carol and I did. And we talked to her for, I think, three hours, maybe. At least. Maybe more. And her life was in pieces. She had no hope. Her religion didn't help her. She was a Mormon. And uh, her religion just didn't click. She was without hope. And we were, had the privilege of sharing with her what faith in Jesus Christ can really do. And uh, all the things that happen when one comes to know Christ and the forgiveness that's uh, her marriage was, uh, I don't know, she'd been married several times, but she was just a wreck. Anyway, she uh, pulled her purse out, a whole bag of illegal drugs. And we told her, put it back in her purse. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, about three hours later, she knelt beside our couch, and we, we knelt with her. 
And she came to the Lord of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator and redeemer and the best friend she'll ever have through faith. And her countenance changed when it was over. Uh, she says, I'm done with this stuff. What do I do with them? Well, we didn't want them. Uh, so what do we say? Flush them to, down the toilet? Is that, you know, well, whatever. We got rid of them anyhow. And she left a new and different person. We never saw her again. She wasn't from the town. We don't know where she came from. It was one of those God things where we are, you are, I am, Carol is. We are all to be ready to offer the living hope to those who need it. So she found what Zechariah called the fountain of hope. Anyway, number three, Abraham, what did he say? Well, we're not going to Genesis, but we'll go back to Romans. Did you know there are no hopeless people in this world? I mean, hopeless cases. There are hopeless people all over the place. But there's no hopeless cases. In other words, there's nobody in this life, while they have breath, that is beyond the reach of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 4, Abraham is given the account of Abraham. And, of course, you know the story there where Abraham, God promised Abraham that he would be, he would be the, the father of many nations, and, and uh, in him the whole world would be blessed. Of course, we know that through his grandson Judah came, or his great-grandson Judah came, our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's true. But in Romans 4, when God told Abraham he was going to have a kid, you know how old he was? Well, he was old. In verse 18, Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, I still remember Genesis when God told Abraham and Sarah all this. And uh, Sarah laughed. I mean, she probably looked at Abraham and said, well, that would be a miracle. And a miracle in her own body. I mean, let's face it. They were old. They were past all this childbearing. And God said, Sarah, why did you laugh? And then she tried to deny it. But of course, God knew. So the Bible says he was convinced in verse 21, being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Faith and hope. Go together if you're taking your notes. Faith and hope go together. And then David, we're not going back to Psalms, but in Acts chapter 2, David had some things to say about the grave. In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 24, quoting David, whom God raised up having loosed, or quoting uh, the apostles, 
because uh, pains of death, because it is not possible that he should be healed by it. For David says concerning Christ, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my tongue, my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. Anyway, David said this. Write it down. <coughs> and it's true for Bill Stevens and any, anybody else. Stevens, I should say. That's a different way that Bill spelled his name there. I, I want to say Stevens, but it's Stevens, right? Yeah. And his family. The grave could not hold him that is Christ what a tremendous hope for us in my age now I'm starting to lose friends who are in my class high school class and different people we've known in ministry through all the years and I am so thankful for the hope the assurance when Christ rose from the dead he guaranteed that we would too, those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Are you glad of that? <coughs> I'll take that as an amen. I heard a few grunts, but <coughs> what did John say in John chapter 3? Well, not John, 1 John. It's John, but it's not in the Gospel of John. It's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the children of God. It has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Hope has purifying power to those who embrace it, to the one who activates it, Hope has purifying power. It's kind of interesting that uh, Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says and calls the rapture the blessed what? Hope. The blessed hope. The rapture of the church. So anyway, uh, the purifying power. Then finally, number six, whoever wrote Hebrews... And I don't care who wrote Hebrews. I went to a pastor's conference one time just to get fed and encouraged. And the speaker all day gave all the technical reasons in the Hebrew and Greek and historical records on why he thought somebody named Apollo wrote Hebrews. That didn't feed my soul, didn't strengthen me, didn't encourage me, and I left just as empty and maybe more frustrated. I don't care who wrote it. God put it in the Bible. And uh, what difference does it make if Paul or Timothy or Apollos wrote it? It doesn't matter. What does matter is what does the Scripture say? Hebrews 6, verse 17. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability that's he cannot change of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong 
consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Laying hold means to just like that. Lay hold of that truth, verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. How about that? You got that anchor? As a Christian, you can take it and embrace it, and which enters into the presence beyond the veil. So, write it down. When we lay hold of this hope, it will be a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So there are hope, there is hope today available for the hurting, for the lady who stopped at our house that time, for many that we've talked to since. There are so many people that just are cut deep and, and hurting and the hope that is in Christ Jesus is exactly what they need. So, Let's finish it. There are no hopeless situations with the God of hope. They thought it was all gone when the Israelites were backed up to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army was right there. We're dead, they said. They weren't dead. We serve a risen Savior, an omnipotent God. There are no, here it is, last statement, there are no hopeless situations with the God of hope. When you look at our text again in Romans 15, uh, and I'm going to read it again because this is the whole idea. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So the result is joy, peace, and power that you may abound in the hope in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The choice is always yours and mine. I'm so thankful today that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, the solid rock. Let's sing that song. I invite you to stand. Christ, the solid rock. It's, uh, I don't know what number it is in the, in the hymn book, but our man Rob has it right here. Sing out the solid rock. <laughs> 